Hello, this is Steve Merwin on another episode of Into the Wild. Today, we're reviewing footage of two separate human scenarios, common between the male and female. In scenario one, we watch the male interact with the female. Her face shows she's anticipating a gift or a thoughtful gesture. Oh, but the male seems to have presented her with a board with wheels. The female now looks disappointed. The male appears unaware. It looks like he has continued on to meet a fellow male. I believe this is what is called bro time. It seems his priority is not with the female. In scenario two, we are again watching the male approaching the female. The female again seems to anticipate a gift or thoughtful gesture. However, this time, the male presents the female with a sample of the hibiscus perennial plant, or more commonly known as a flower. The female appears very pleased. The male and female are now engaging in a hug. The female is pleased with the male's display of affection. The male has done well. And there are certain differences that generally speaking, and I'll just continue to reiterate and that, that I'm emphasizing the word generally speaking, because there are of course exceptions and we could talk about every exception, but then we would not be, make it to the one o'clock game. So we'll just go with generalities. In general, God made us different. And last week we looked at kind of three differences. We looked at how men, our brains tend to process things like process life in boxes and the boxes never ever touch. And women, by contrast, process life like spaghetti, where everything's on top of everything and you can't really distinguish anything from the other. It doesn't mean they're disorganized or confused. It just means that everything is connected. We saw how men, when we're stressed, this is a big difference. Men tend to deal with stress by withdrawing. Women tend to deal with stress by talking. And you can see the conflict and potential lying in wait right there. And then we also looked at how women do a much better job of multitasking, or as I kind of explained last week, shifting quickly from one task to the other. Women are like a sleek sports car when it comes to that, and men are like the locomotive, where they go to the end of the track, and not until they get to the end, they come to a stop, reboot the system, can they turn right or left, okay? They tend to be more tunnel in that track. If you missed anything, many, any of that from last week, then like Sam said, you can go to the STSA app, you can click the watch button, and you can check out last week's, or you go to stsa.church. Because what we're trying to do here in this series is have a better understanding of how God made us different. Now today, we're going to have some real fun. In case you didn't notice, I'm having fun with this series. Okay? And I told you all last week, I said, I'm going to promise to have some fun. And hopefully you have fun, enjoy it as much as I do, but I'm having a great time. All right? Because again, we're generalizing and we're being funny, but we're trying to take some lessons from there as well. Even if the stuff that I say in general doesn't apply to you, what I told you last week, and no one has told me that I'm wrong on this. Every single person has come to me and told me this is true. That even when the general, what I'm saying about the man, if you're the guy, if it's not you, and the girl, that's not you, then most likely your spouse is the opposite. So what I'm trying to say is usually God brings together one from here and one from here. It's very rare to find two spaghettis or two boxes married to each other. Sometimes the guy is the spaghetti or the girl may be the boxes. So you are smart enough, I'm giving you credit, that I can speak generalities and you're smart enough to contextualize it to your situation. That was last week. Today we're gonna have some real fun. Today, the title of today's message is What Every Man Needs to Know About Women. What Every Man Needs to Know About Women. And if you thought I was offensive last week, just wait till you hear what you got. I got focus. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. But I'm telling you, as I said earlier, guys, listen carefully. The stuff that I'm going to share with you today, you are going to want to pay me money by the time today is over for the stuff that you learn. Be it in your marriage, be it with your girlfriend, be it in work. Like what You are going to want to pay me for this information because it is life-changing if you get it. Usually, a message about relationships directed towards the men goes as follows. Stop being a lazy bump. Get up off the couch and do a dish or two dishes. Stop sleeping in when it's time for chores to be done. Usually the message to the men is someone stands up on stage and beats up on the men. And some of the women are like, yes, that's why I brought him here today. Well, that is not what I'm going to do. Instead, watch this one, guys. What I'm going to do today is I'm going to answer a question for you gentlemen. 
and I'm taking my life into my hands by saying what I'm about to say. I was about to title the message what I'm about to say, but then I decided I want to live and not die by the end of today. So I'm just going to tell you that what I'm actually going to talk about today. Guys, ready? How to get a woman to do anything you want with very little effort. All the women are rolling up the sleeves like getting the tomatoes ready, like that's right. <laughs> Guys, you tell me what you want out of your wife. You tell me what you're looking for. I want her to respect me. I want her to uh, let me sleep in on Saturdays. I want her to let me hang out with the boys. I want her to laugh at my dumb jokes. I'm gonna tell you today what I'm gonna share with you, if you follow me. How to get a woman to be mad, your wife of course, okay, not another woman. Okay. <laughs> your wife okay. <laughs> how to get your wife to be so madly in love with you that she will treat you like the king of the castle that you already are in your own mind and the best part is you don't have to read a book you don't have to attend a seminar it's not going to cost you a penny. In fact, I plan to share all this information and still get you home by the one o'clock kickoffs for football today. And because guys, like we said last week, don't multitask well, they single track. So I'm going to go straight to the bottom line. I'm going to give you the answer right up front. Guys, how to get a woman to do anything you want for almost no effort is the following. You make love a verb. Make love, pause, a verb. Love, usually our society uses this word as a noun. Love is something we fall into. I fell into love. I fell into a ditch. I fell into a hole. I fell into a love. It's a thing. That, no, actually, there is no love in our marriage. Love as a noun. I don't feel love. It's there or it's not there. And we usually look at it in that noun kind of context. Well, the authors of the scripture disagree with us that love is a noun. St. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, the passage that we read at every wedding. He says to husbands, love your wives. Love meaning an action, meaning a verb, meaning something you do. You see, if St. Paul was a marriage counselor today, he wouldn't have much business. Because you as a guy, you'd go to him and say, my wife is always on my, on my back. She nags me all the time. I can't get her to leave me alone. What do I do? He would say, okay, um, are you loving her? And then you would say, well, see, that's the problem, counselor. I don't love her, and that's why I'm here, because I don't love her. We fell out of love. There's no more love. He'd say, hmm, I think your solution is to go love her. And you'd say, no, you're not listening to me, doctor. There's no love. And he would say, yes, that's exactly why. You need to go and love. Because the only way to salvage love, the noun, is to do love, the verb. The only way to salvage love, the noun, is to go out and act on love, the verb. And we know that because if you read the rest of the passage, he expands on this, on this comment right here. And you'll see a whole bunch of verbs, not, not many nouns, not many feelings. Look what he says. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 29, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, verb, that he might sanctify, verb, and cleanse, verb, cleanse her with the washing of the word by the, the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. I didn't see anything in there about love the noun. I didn't say anything about feelings. I didn't say anything about like, no, if you, if you, you have to have this feeling of like, I'll climb the highest mountain and swim the deepest ocean and, and the deepest valley. And I, I didn't see any of that stuff. What I saw is a bunch of verbs that saying go and sanctify, go and wash, go and nourish, go and cherish. Think of it this way, you know, in a train, if a relationship, if your marriage is a train, love, the noun, is the caboose, not the engine. Let's do it this way, your side. The engine at the front, at the beginning of your relationship, the noun love was the engine. We had this feeling of in love, so then we did the verb. 
We did nice things. We did the flowers. We did the phone call. We did all that stuff. But now that's just a short lived period. Now it's the opposite. Now the love, the noun is the caboose. It's the tail end. And what drives this thing has to be love the verb. So gentlemen, the key to get a woman, your woman, to do anything you want, to be madly in love with you, is to make love a verb. The reason this is such a big deal, I can read some husbands' minds. Some husbands are thinking, hey, wait a minute, you tricked me. You told me you're gonna help me out and give me stuff, you're just giving me homework, telling me to love. I don't want to, you're supposed to be telling me how to trick them. The reason this is so important, the command to love, ladies, ladies, the command to love is not just for husbands. The command to make love a verb is not just for husbands. Just as the command to submit is not just for wives. We'll talk about that later. Both of them apply to both because Christ taught us to love one another. And St. Paul taught us to submit to one another. So the idea of love and submit is the general Christian life. However, in the context of marriage, in the context of marriage, it's important for the husbands to emphasize the love. Why? Because it's something that I believe, that I'm going to share with you right now, that is true about men and women. Again, generally speaking, there are exceptions. Something that if you are married, you may not see in your own marriage. But I bet you, if you look at other marriages, probably your parents especially, it becomes clear that what I'm about to say is true. And that is this, that in general, oops, sorry. In general, by their nature, women tend to give, men tend to take. There are exceptions. Doesn't mean every man is a selfish slob. Some may be, yours may be, that's fine. Doesn't mean every woman is Mother Teresa. But in general, women tend to be givers, men tend to be takers. For example. Let's say you see a group of three or four women standing over here, and you go up. You may hear a con that the conversation that they have is probably very different than a group of three or four guys over here. The women's conversation. Oh, is that a new shirt? Ah, oh, it's such a great shirt. I love that shirt. I love what you did with your hair. New hairstyle. I love. Oh, did you hear what happened to Sally? It's so sad. Women are giving, giving compliments, giving encouragement, giving compassion. Guys, insults. Ha! New shirt! <laughs> oh yeah, everyone, I love what he did with his hair. I love what you Did you hear what happened to Joey last week? We men, by our nature, again, I'm not saying all men are selfish and all men are takers, but by our nature, women give and men take. This is why, as someone who hears a lot of problems, this is not uncommon to hear the following. This is not uncommon. It's not uncommon to hear a woman say, I've given everything to that man. I've given everything for that man. I give, I give, I give. I cannot give anymore. I have nothing left to give. The man's response will be what? I thought things were great. I didn't really notice it. I'm really sure. Which... Yeah, it was great for you <laughs> because she gave and you took. And it kind of worked out really, really good in your favor. Now, with that said, small caveat, then I'll go back to the guys for the ladies. Because this one, this is very important. This is not our subject today, so I'm only going to say this one sentence. But ladies, oftentimes in this scenario that I just painted, where he's taking and you're giving, it's not always his fault. And oftentimes it is your fault. Because one of the things that I bet you your husband wants you to know, and we'll get to the next week, okay? What to, I bet you your husband wishes that you know because he loves you, is that he wants you to give less. And he wants you to take. And he wants you to say when you're at your limit. And he wants you to say, I need help. He wants that. I remember when me and Marianne, we're getting married. Our priest told us the key to our success in marriage was Marianne's ability to be assertive. That's what we were told. And if she's not assertive, our marriage is not going to work. You know why? Because she's a very good giver and I'm the opposite. And this relationship could be very imbalanced if she, and when she struggles with assertive, okay, we're not intuitive because we're in that nothing box a lot. So all women are not off the hook on this one and say, yes, I'm giving and he's taking and it's all his fault. No, a lot of times it's your fault. You need to be more assertive. Don't be too assertive, okay? We don't need to be too assertive, but there's a fat, fine balance in there, but that's not our topic for today. Back to the guys. Women by nature tend to give. Men by nature tend to take. Now, as I said a minute ago, this does not mean that all men are lazy. 
this is all, not mean that all men do nothing. And in fact, there's some men who are very offended by what I said, say, I take out the trash, I do the dishes, I take the kids, and, 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 and. This is not a problem, listen carefully, not a problem that men do nothing. The problem is how men keep score of what they do. Now, every marriage book will tell you, you don't keep score in marriage. And I agree, you shouldn't. But we all do. Everyone keeps score. Everyone keeps track of what they do, what the other person does. And in a good marriage, there's a balance. Here's our problem, guys. Ladies, you may not know this about guys. Guys, all of us keep score. Guys, the way they keep score, they tend to give themselves very large numbers of points for every small thing they do. For example, alarm goes off and I'm tired, I don't want to go to work. And I get up out of bed even though I'm tired. That's 500, right there. <laughs> right off the bat. I go downstairs and I make myself breakfast. 2,000 points right there. No one had to feed me. I go to work all day and you know, I work hard and I deal with my boss and I deal with my coworker and I don't flirt with any of my coworkers and I keep my eyes to myself, 32,000 points. So a guy, ladies, a guy, your husband, walks in the house at six o'clock thinking that in his mind he has 87,000 points, which is why he has no problem to sit on the couch and do every man's favorite activity, which is to do nothing. Because in his mind, He's way up, and he's giving you a chance to catch up. <laughs> now, ladies tend to keep score slightly different. Ladies, husbands, they saw you get up in the morning when you were tired, and for that you got one point. <laughs> they noticed that you went downstairs and fed yourself like a good little boy, and for that you got another point. You went to work all day, didn't do anything foolish, came home, you got another point. So you got three. But I got news for you. She also got up when she didn't want to. She also made herself breakfast and cleaned up after herself as well. And she also went to work and spent a full day at work. In addition to that, she made lunch for you and the kids. She took the kids to school and now she's working on dinner. So when you walk in the house, you got three, she's already at 12. And that's why when you sit on that couch, she is not very happy because in her mind, it's the exact opposite. That you're the one who has some catching up to do. You can see where the problem lies in all marriages. You see this? Now at first, understanding that guys, we only get one point for everything we do, sounds discouraging. And some guys say, really? I only get one point no matter what I do? And the answer is, yes. And that sounds discouraging, but watch out here, guys. I'm gonna do something for you. I'm gonna show you how to make this work for you. I'm gonna share with you a secret. Don't tell any of the ladies. I'm gonna share with you a secret, and if you get this, it will change your marriage. I promise you, if you get this. In fact, I, I, I would bet on this one, and wives, you, when I say it, you probably tell me this is true. I bet you, your wife has actually already told you this, you just weren't listening. Or she reiterated it to you, but you were in your nothing box, or you didn't think it could be true. So I bet you, when I say what I'm about to say, if you go way back into some of those boxes, you say, hey, wait, I think she told me. But you just didn't listen. Y'all ready what I'm about to say? I'm telling you, if you write down anything, I say, you write down what I'm about to say right now. <laughs> Guys, how to make this work for you. Women respond to almost any act of love, no matter how small it is. Big difference between guys and girls. A woman, generally speaking, will respond to any act of love, of kindness, of being considerate, any act, no matter how small it is. This is the opposite of guys. Guys don't, you don't get this. Guys think bigger is better. Guys, a 20-inch TV is better than an 18-inch TV. Um, uh, 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 fan, an expensive car is better than a cheap car. Guys, uh, two cupcakes are better than one cupcake. But for girls, any act of love, no matter how small, can get you a point. Example, you wake up in the morning. You wake up in the morning, you're tired, groggy, the wife is in the bathroom getting ready for the day, and you're standing there by the bed. 
Usually what you do in that situation, you get dressed, you go downstairs. They say, you know what? I'm going to do something I've never done. Something I've never done. It's this thing called making the bed. Guys, I've tried it before. It's 60 seconds, max. 60, like 75 seconds if you're slow. Like, that's it. It's a minute. You make that bed. You go downstairs. She's going to come out there, and she's going to see that bed made. And she is going to say, what happened here? She's going to think she left the window open and a draft came. She's think robbers came, like Jesus visited and did. Like, what happened in here? Then when it dawns on her that you made the bed, you know what happens? Ding. You got a point. You went downstairs. You made yourself a cup of coffee. Usually what you do is you make a cup of coffee, you drink it, and you leave it right there. This time, you made two cups of coffee. One for you, one for her. You finished yours, you put it in the sink, maybe even in the dishwasher. She's gonna come downstairs, she can see that, she's gonna be like, my husband must have left his cup of coffee there. And then when she realizes that you actually made it for her, ding, you get a point. Guys, the day hasn't even begun yet, you got two already, and you did nothing. You wanna really get bonus points? You know what you put next to that cup of coffee? A post-it, which a pack will cost you 99 cents. And you write your name and her name and a little heart between them. <laughs> she sees that, ding, 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 ding. And you've done nothing. You've done nothing. See, my theory in life, my theory in life, and I'm proof of this, okay? And husbands, most of us would agree with this, that I believe it is relatively easy to keep a woman in love with you. The hard part is getting to her to notice you in the beginning. But if you got her and you somehow tricked her into being your wife, it is relatively easy to keep her. You know why? Because it is the greatest desire of her heart to love you. She wants to love you. She wants to respect you. She wants to admire you. She wants you to be her Prince Charming, her knight in shining armor. You just every now and then have to give her a reason to believe it's true. That is the deepest desire of her heart. And you just every now and then have to do something to show her that you're there. So guys, I wanna change how you think today. I wanna change how you think. Every small act of love. In case you think I'm lying, in case you're like, no way, Father, this is too good to be true. Let's do a little survey. Ladies, I'm going to ask for your help. Let's say that your husband, even those who are not married, like everyone can participate in this, all the ladies. You have two options. A dozen roses come to you once a year. Or a single rose 12 times a year. How many ladies, show of hands, raise them if you, if you agree with this. How many ladies would rather a single rose 12 times as opposed to 12 on one day. How many would rather the, the single, single rose 12 times? Raise your hand. Look around, boys. That's pretty close to 100%. And I bet you this, I bet you this, which we won't do, but I bet you, if you asked your wife, how many would rather a single rose six times a year as opposed to 12 on once? I bet you most of them would raise their hands as well. You know what every guy's thinking right now? That is so inefficient. That is so inefficient because that's so opposite of how we think. We think one rose, one point, 12 roses, 12 points. So we stupidly go out and spend $150 on a thing of roses and we come in as if we just crossed the ocean for our wives. We give her the roses and when she goes, ding, one point. Guys, we think bigger is better. We think anniversary, birthday, stupid Valentine's Day. We're going to do something big on those days. And we think we did something good on her birthday, on Valentine's anniversary. That'll hold her. In her mind, it doesn't hold her. You've done three things all year. That's in her mind. Now, again, on the surface, this seems like a bad thing, like we have to do more. But this is where we go next level on here. I'm gonna share with you guys how you can get, you can get a woman to do anything you want and virtually nothing, nothing.
Nothing, nothing. Nothing is the key for our message here today to the guys. You want to know how to be a successful husband, do absolutely nothing. Follow the following what I'm about to tell you. Plan a date for your wife. The system I'm about to share with you, by the way, is not my own. I didn't come up with this. It's a pastor named Mark Gunger, who is the funniest pastor in the world, almost as funny as me. <laughs> and he taught me this, and it changed my life, right? Plan a date for your wife. This Friday night, we're going to go whatever restaurant. You got kids. Get someone to babysit the kids. Make the reservation. Like, do something nice. And then tell her in advance. The earlier you tell her, the better. Now, some husbands say, no, I want to surprise her. Rookie. <laughs> rookie. That's a rookie mistake. Number one, never, unless you are very experienced, ever try to surprise your wife with anything, okay? Number two, when you try to surprise, you are leaving points on the field. You are missing out on points. You know why? You tell your wife, hey, you know, uh, you know, on Saturday, on September, whatever it is, we're going to go out on a date. She hears you say that. All of a sudden, ding, you got a point. What have you done so far? Nothing. You got a point for doing nothing. She is then, because she is a woman, going to go to her other woman friends, and what's she going to do? Tell them. She can say, oh, you never believed by my husband. <laughs> And when she tells her friend, all of a sudden you, ding, get another point. And now you're literally doing nothing. You're literally doing nothing, getting points. And she continues to tell friend after friend and every, you know interest? You know how you make interest? You sit at home and you just get interest. And that's what's happening right now. Every friend that she tells you, ding, you get a point. Let me tell you the best part of this, guys. Best part, best part, best part. She's telling another wife. That wife has a husband. Every time she tells that wife, you are getting a point and he is losing one. <laughs> Do you see the beauty of the system, guys? You're getting points and you are literally doing nothing. Try it this week if you don't believe me. Try on the way out of church today on your way to the car, grab her hand, hold her hand. You hold her hand, you know what happens? Ding, you got a point. Try tomorrow during the workday, just send a text message. Say, hey, just thinking about you. Nothing, it's nothing. It takes you five seconds, it's nothing. You're already walking the car, you're already walking to the car, nothing. You want me to get you real bonus points? Talk to her. And, and not just like, so sometimes for men, talk means you shut up, she talks, okay? And that's good, but don't shut up, so don't go into your nothing box, okay? Like you can't veer off. Ask her, hey, how was your day? Hey, what's coming up this week? You wanna get real bonus points, guys? Listen, listen to the following statement. You may wanna write this one down. When she says something, you say, hey, how did that make you feel? How did that make you, ding, ding, the points go crazy. And all you did was turn love from a noun into a verb. And in fact, this idea that St. Paul talks about making love into a verb is not something that he came up with. It's something that Jesus taught to all, men and women, children, young, old. We were all commanded as believers in Christ, John 13, 34. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. As I said a minute ago, the command to love as the command to submit is for both men and women. It applies to all of us. We are all, as children of God, to submit to one another. We are all to love one another. In the marriage context, it's emphasized more for the men to love, the women to submit. You know why? Because in the marriage context, a marriage between a man and a woman, we talked about this a year ago when we talked about the wedding ceremony. The marriage of a man and a woman is a picture of the union between God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's a trinity between God, man, and woman. And in this trinity of God, Father, Son, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God, man, and woman, the man bears the role of the Son, which is why for him specifically, love one another as I have loved you. The man bears that role. He's symbol of Christ in the marriage. 
The woman is the symbol of the Holy Spirit, equal to no less. The Holy Spirit is no less than Christ or the Father. But the Holy Spirit, his role is the helper, okay, which is what same word that God said about Eve. I will create Adam a helper. So the roles, I mean, the, sorry, the commands are for both, but it's just emphasized in the context for marriage, love more than men, okay, and women more than the other one. But anyway, back to what Christ said. A new commandment I give to you. Why does he say a new commandment? Is this the first time we were commanded to love? No. What makes it new? What makes it new is the degree. Because if you look at the starting of Christ's ministry, it started with the golden rule. Sometimes people think the golden rule is the highest. The golden rule is not. The golden rule is the lowest. The golden rule is actually the Old Testament standard, is that you do unto others as you want others to do to you. Christ wiped away the golden rule. He took it to a much higher level. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he actually said, love your enemy. And then he took it to the highest level. When he said, love as I have loved you. So what he's saying in that sentence is this. The model, husbands, for all of us, but especially husbands, the model of how you love your wife is not how your father loved your mother. Is not what you see in the marriages around you. Oh, all my guy friends. That is not the model you are to follow. You do not follow the model of love that is preached out there on the TV or in Hollywood. That is not your example. You love her as I have loved you. And when you do that, she will do anything that you ask her to do. She will follow you to the top of the mountain or to the depth of the valley. Christ showed us what that looks like. In case some of you guys, like I could end the message right now and the message is pretty much done. Love her as Christ loved. But in case some of you guys need an example of what it looks like, St. Paul speaks in Philippians chapter 2. The passage where St. Paul speaks about the sacrifice of Christ, the love of Christ, how he gave everything up for us, how he made himself of no reputation. That whole passage, which we'll see in a minute, he introduces that passage of Christ's love with what I believe is some of the most important verses in the New Testament, especially in the context of marriage. He says this, Philippians 2, verse 1 through 4. Therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if there's any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. What does it mean having the same love? Well, he's about to describe it. Listen carefully to these words. We're going to read it slow and let it sink in. In marriage... Husbands, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Every time I talk about this verse, our command, husbands, all of us, but husbands especially, is to esteem others. I'm talking specifically marriage, so I'm going to talk about husband and wife, but again, it applies to all. Your job, husbands, is to esteem your wife better than you. How do you do that? What does that mean practically? Esteem others better than myself. There's one of two ways to do that. Either I put myself down or I put you up. There's the only two ways. Like, I can't see you. If I see you mean the same, then we're not, I'm not esteeming you better. Either I put myself below you, which is really hard for me as a man because I'm arrogant, I have pride, and I don't think I'm lower. But the solution is not to put myself down, but to put you up, put you on a pedestal, to esteem you better than myself. Watch what I'm going to say here, guys. That in the context of marriage, husbands, your wife is more important than you. You say, hey, wait a minute. Are you saying that she's higher? What about the whole equality and is going the other way? Listen, I'm not saying she's intrinsically a better human being than you. But I'm saying in the context of marriage, she is more important than you. That has to be your attitude. How, how can that be? Well, let me give you an example. Have you ever been in a room with someone more important than you? The answer is yes. There are certain contexts, not saying the person is intrinsically better than you, but they're more important than you in that context. Like, for example, you ever been to a wedding where you are not the bride? I have news for you. You are not the most important room person in that room. The bride is more important than you. Like, did you notice, like, you walked in, no one stood up? Like, she walked in, and everyone stood up. People wait in line to talk to her and take a picture of her. No one, because you are not the most important person in that context. She's more important than you. 
You ever been to court? Been to a judge? He gets to talk whenever he wants. No one says like, well, why can't I talk? No, he's more important than you. So if he talks, he can talk. If he tells you not, like he's more important than you. Have you ever been in the presence of somebody who is like a hero, war hero, someone who's like saved someone's life, like someone who has really done a heroic act and they're like sharing their story or they're telling about their, their ministry. In that context, that person is more important than you. It doesn't mean that you're bad. It doesn't mean that you're worthless. But in that context, they're more important than you. How do you treat someone who is more important than you? The bride is standing. She wants to sit. Everyone gets up and gives her the chair. The judge, everyone is speaking. The judge says, well, actually, now I'd like to speak. He bangs that gavel and everyone shuts up, even middle of the conversation. That hero is telling their story, that heroic person. And, you know, maybe they missed a detail. You don't interrupt and say, well, actually, you know, I think it was blue, not a red. Like, you don't do that. You defer to them. You let them finish. You don't correct them. You don't put them down. They are more important than you. Guys, make love a verb. In the context of marriage, she's more important than you. And that has to be your attitude. That's why St. Paul used words like cherish, nourish. He said, like your own body. Let me tell you something that's sad. I, I'm, I'm sad at myself because I'm about to say what I'm about to say. But to get this message across to some guys, I have to say what I'm about to say, and I'm sad. How do you treat your most valued possession, guys? How do you treat your car? How do you treat your new shoes? How do you treat that gadget, TV? When you value something, you're gentle. You cherish it. Makes me sad, I'm about to say. I know wives who wish their husband treated them the way they treat their car. I know wives who wish their husband gave them the same attention that they give to a gadget. And that's sad. That's not what we are commanded to do. Husbands, thinking, wait, can't do that. Father Anthony, reverse, abort, abort. Like, you're getting us in trouble right here. Like, the stuff that you're saying, they'll take advantage of it, man. They'll take advantage of it. Well, I'll tell you this. Number one, even if they do take advantage of it, that's none of your business. You answer to God, not to them. They took advantage of Christ. He still did. The command to love has nothing to do with the other person's response. That's number one. But then let's be a little more optimistic. You know what? I bet you your wife will change her behavior when you act this way. If you truly make love a verb, I bet you that it will impact the way she behaves towards you. And I'll tell you exactly how she's going to respond. I'll tell you exactly how she's going to respond. Husbands are thinking, I can't do that. I don't know what she's going to do. I'll tell you exactly what she's going to do. Go back to when you were dating. Go back to when you first met. Because that's how you treated her back then. Back then, you did cherish her. Back then, you did little things. Back then, she was the most valuable thing. And you would turn, listen to this, we would turn off the game for them. We would get up and give them our seat. We would hold doors. We would buy little presents just for no reason. And you remember how she responded? You remember what she, the way she treated you? Well, that's exactly what's going to happen again in your marriage if you go back. The couples who you want to be, you got married just like I got married. You had a picture in your mind of where you want to get to. And I promise you, you can still get there. The couples who get there, think of examples. The couples who get there, the couples who get there are the ones who turn love from a noun into a verb. And they are very intentional about the verb love. I told you all this story a couple months back. We had this, this uh, there's a, a pastor actually, not too far away here in Arlington. His name is Pastor Steve King. He's become a friend of mine over at Cherrydale Baptist Church. He and his wife came over. Okay, he's probably... 70s, okay, he's been like ministering for 40 years. Let's say he's 70s. He and his wife came over. Man, oh man, that's what I want in my life. He worships the ground she walks on. He treats her as if an angel from heaven. Her name is Maybell. He never said Maybell. He always said, sweet Maybell. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Zeke, guys, 
I just got a point for you without doing anything. You just, I just got you a point. He always said, sweet Maybell. We're sitting there. He's like 70-something. He's like putting his hand on her knee, and I'm a little uncomfortable. He's like, and I'm like, guys, like, get a room. Like, it went time. Like, we were, me and him were sitting in the, in the living room while the, the, the women were getting the food ready. And it came time to go. So I'm like, come on, Steve. Let's go have a seat. So we go and grab a seat, and we're chatting over there. And then, and then his, his wife entered. He got up, pulled out her chair, and like waited for her to sit down. And me, I'm like, hurry up, Marianne, we're hungry. <laughs> that's what I want. Like, that's what I want. I want to be 75, and I want to be sweet Marianne. That's right. I'm deep. <laughs> and I'm telling you, you can have that too, but it will never come by accident. The people who get there are the ones who are intentional about making love a verb, not a noun. So guys, I'm going to go through a real quick checklist right here. What does it mean to love like Jesus? I could, I could do this for hours and hours and on end, but I found three things that I believe are the three most common complaints that wives have against husbands. So I'm gonna tell you, where are you here? You judge yourself. And I'm gonna go through these real quick, okay? Because these are pretty self-explanatory. Number one, am I self-sacrificing? Love like Jesus was self-sacrificing love. Jesus gave up everything for us. He gave up his comfort, gave up his glory, gave up the ease of life in heaven and came down and toiled here among, among men. I am not asking you, are you self-sacrificing? I want you to ask your wife, are you self-sacrificing? You say, I would die for her. I would give up my life for her. Well, I would like to ask her, not is he willing to give up his life, but is he willing to give up the remote for you? Because a lot of men won't do that. Is your marriage all about you guys? You come home from work, what's your attitude? Is your attitude, I did this and I did and I did and I'm coming home now to be served, to sit down and people take care of me, relax? Or is your attitude, I'm coming home to serve my wife, to serve my kids, to give myself for their comfort as Jesus did for us? Number two, am I caring or gentle? Am I caring and gentle? Not both. Am I caring slash gentle? You cannot picture Jesus ever saying the following words. You can never picture Jesus saying, Jesus saying, I couldn't care less. Husbands, the phrase, I couldn't care less, should never come out of our mouths, ever. Because it's the most unchristlike thing that you can do. She's scared, you give her security. She's alone, you give her companionship. She's discouraged, you put one arm around one side of her, the other arm around the other side, and you squeeze, it's called a hug. There's no such thing as her problem. It's only our problem. We care. Even if we don't solve, we care. We are gentle. Number three. Number one complaint that women have against men is this one, guys. So we need to step up here. Is Do we take initiative? Do I take initiative? Do I take initiative in the sense of the standoffs? You know where there's a standoff in the marriage? Where like I'm kind of like set in my ways and she's kind of set in her ways and she needs to say sorry to me and I need to say sorry to her, but she better go first because she started it. Who, someone has to start it. Someone has to take the initiative. Who should take the initiative, the man or the woman? When both are wrong, who should take the initiative? The man. Why? Because the man I already told you in this relationship is Christ. And when Christ had a problem between God and man, did, did God wait for man to come and say, sorry, I repent, Okay, I'll send you my son. Is that how it works? Like the fact that we're all sitting here in church today is because we are good, we apologize, we got perfect, and God said, okay, I'll love you. Or is it that he went out of his way, as it says in your handout, that we love him because he first loved us. And we men, this one be a little bit harsh. We men need to stop being boys. We need to step up. We need to be men. And we need to stop waiting for love, noun, to fall out of the sky, bite us on the nose for us to do something about it. We made a commitment in front of God. Y'all know this, in an Orthodox wedding ceremony, there's no vow, I love you, I get sick or poor, there's none of that nonsense. In an Orthodox wedding, your vow is not to your spouse, your vow is to God. And God makes a vow to you, 
and you make a vow to God, and we men, we'll get to the women later, but we men, we stood in front of God, in front of the altar, in front of the priest, in front of all the people, and we said, we vow to love her as Christ loved us. Well, it's time for us to do that and to take the initiative and to honor our commitment to God and stop saying sentences like, she doesn't deserve it. She's not worthy of my love, of my love. You're great, not worthy of it. I started this message by saying, guys, I'm going to teach you how to get a woman to do whatever you want for absolutely nothing. Ladies, I got a little bonus for you. I'm going to teach you how to get a guy to do anything you want, and he's even simpler and dumber than you think. You want a guy to do anything for you. Every guy in his mind is a superhero. Every guy in his mind. Every one of us. You look at the movies that we watch. All the movies are exactly the same. Exactly the same. They're all exact. You hate them. We love them. They're all exactly the same. It's about a guy who's down and out and he's struggling and then he finds his calling and beat the bad guys and blood and guts and killing and rampage and But in the end, every guy movie ends exactly the same. What happens in every guy movie? The guy, this, ladies, this is how you get a guy to do anything. You just tell him that he's like, like for me, it was like Bruce Willis and Die Hard. Like if you convince me that I'm Bruce Willis, like yeah, I'll fight whoever, you know what I mean? Or I'm Robin Hood, like every guy's that way. Every guy wants to be a movie hero. How does every guy movie end? He's fighting the bad guys and he's fending them off. And he's putting, and then all of a sudden his team is like, all right, it's time to get out of here. The building's gonna explode. And then they're about to escape. And then he thinks, he remembers the girl. And he says, what does he say? Go on, boys. There's something I gotta do. And at great risk to himself, he goes back for the girl. He always goes back for the girl. You know what? Actually, girl movies actually end the same way. Guys, you know those awful girl movies that they make us watch? Okay? Like, a guy movie is blood and guts and action and effects and fun stuff. There will just be like four people sitting around the table just talking the whole movie. Okay? And they're crying. And, and if you're ever stuck watching these things, you're crying too. Like, what happened to my life? What happened? I got suckered into watching one of these. Only one girl movie that I can ever say that I actually went to knowing it's a girl movie, but I said I would like it, and that was Jerry Maguire. Okay? And I got suckered in because it was about football. Okay. How does every girl movie end? How does Jerry Maguire end? Jerry Maguire. There's the football part, which is cool, and then it's just this nonsense part, okay? Which is that he leaves the girl to be like successful at work and like to find himself in his career, and he finally achieves success. He achieves the success he's always wanted, and he has everything. But he lost the girl. And it comes to the conclusion that the success without the girl is not worth it. So what does he do? He goes, takes a plane, goes back to the girl, and she knocks on the house uninvited, and she's there with her girlfriends. And he walks in and says hello. And then he goes on to tell her about how all the success without her is meaningless. It's meaningless. That my life is empty without you. And then he said that awful line that he said at the end, which he said, what did he say? He said, you complete me. And all the girls... And then the lady goes, you had me at hello. <laughs> but in the end, he goes back for the girl. So whether it's blood and guts, or whether it's four people sitting around a coffee table, every movie ends with he goes back for the girl. Guys, you always go back for the girl. You cannot be a superhero if you don't go back for the girl. You cannot be a superhero no matter how many bad guys you kill at work. No matter how big your palace or your rocket launcher or your spaceship is. No matter how cool your toys are, your gadgets. If you don't go back for the girl, you lose. I never met a man who told me I have great financial success. Cost me my family, but it was worth it. Never met a man who says, you know what? I lost my family. I lost my wife. But you know what? Now I can sit in my underwear all day long and just throw my dirty laundry everywhere I want. 
Never had a man say that leaving the girl fulfilled him. Number one rule of being a superhero, you go back for the girl. The ultimate superhero, Jesus, went back for the girl. Let this mind be in you, Philippians 2.5. Let this mind be in you, men. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, superhero, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and came in the likeness of men. He came back for the girl. Because he knew that to have heaven without the girl, meaning us, can't be a superhero. So guys, I said, I'm going to teach you how to get a girl to do whatever it is you want. You love her like a verb. You cherish her. You make her number one more than number one. You make her, when it's you and her in the room, she's more important than you. In that context, she's more important than you. And I guarantee you, that woman will be madly in love, head over heels, follow you to the ends of the earth, no matter what dumb thing you may say next. We men are going to stop waiting for love to fall out of the sky. We're going to stop insisting that our wives listen to us, to submit to us because we're the man, to admire us because we're smart, to say that everyone at work thinks I'm smart. Why don't you? We're going to stop that. We're going to stop demanding it. What we are going to do is we are going to love them, and we're going to get it out of them through love. And when we want more respect, we're going to love more. And we want more admiration, we're going to love more. And we want them to treat us this way. The more we love, the more we love, the more we love, I guarantee you, you do this for five days and you come back to me on Friday and you tell me what impact I had on your marriage and I guarantee you, you won't believe your eyes. Let's stand together in prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you didn't leave us here alone in this world, Lord, but you sent your only begotten Son out of your tremendous love for us to save us, to redeem us, to bring us into your bosom and into fellowship with you. Lord, I pray for every husband, every man, either current husband or future husband. I pray that you would teach us how to be true men as you taught us to be a man, to love one another as you have loved us, whether it's in the context of marriage, with children, with our friendships, with our parents. Lord, help us to be true men, true Christ-like in the way that we deal with one another. Pray, Lord, for every person who's standing here, every relationship that is or is to come. Pray that you would help us all to understand the rules that you have put in place so we can be successful in this area of our lives. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. The prayers of all of your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.